This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 222. Nuh uh. It is. 222. Dos, dos, dos. Yes, I guess I guess so. <laughs> I don't know how you love this band. Yeah, you love to uh, show off your bilingual. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. All right. Hi, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tracy, I guess we'll start off the way we always do by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys, gals, and dogs for everything you do. Amen. We appreciate you guys. Pray for you every day. And we just love that you're out there kicking ass for our country. And thank you for keeping us safe. Absolutely. Also, we want to remind everybody that if you're struggling right now, like I said, COVID's got a lot of people still down. It doesn't seem like there's any let up in sight anytime soon. And a lot of people still without jobs, unemployment still high. And uh, we just want to tell everybody, keep your heads up. Things will get better. I am, baby. I'm trying. (laughs) I fall in one of those categories. Yes, I know you do. And it's it's tough. I mean, it just goes to show that nobody is, you know, exempt from suffering from depression even Mm -mm. if it's not all the time even if it's just an occasional bout yeah you know but in those times know you've got people to lean on you could contact us you can go to our uh, facebook group and several people in there willing to help you out at any day or time and i just would like to say that i am so proud of our group which i always say that but i've really been noticing a lot lately how everybody's reaching out um, when people are, are posting on the page and, you know, I just wanted to thank you guys for, for doing that because it means a lot to us and it means a lot to who you're reaching out to. So yeah, you've become an extension of us. We can't be there for every single yes. body because we don't always see things in time. Right. And a lot of other people have taken the lead mm-hmm. and, and just taken it upon themselves to help whoever they can. And then that's contagious. Yes, it is. Because everybody else then starts doing it and it's amazing. Right. So, you know, we love you guys so much and just appreciate all that you do. And we're very proud to have you as our family. Right. And for some reason, if you would rather be a little more anonymous, you can contact the 1-800 number here in the United States. It's 800-273-8255. And if you would like to text, it's 741-741. All right, Tracy. We've done in the past some haunted locations and when i say locations i don't necessarily mean like a house or i mean like an area okay so there's there's a bunch of haunted areas like old louisville for example i would consider a haunted area Mm -hmm. savannah in general is a bigger haunted area so we got that alton illinois those come to mind so there's all these places come up new orleans and i started thinking you know there's probably some smaller towns 
like an Atchison. Because mm-hmm. Atchison's not like Savannah or oh, New no, Orleans. Those are, those are huge places. Atchison's smaller, but the whole town's haunted. So I thought maybe I could do a little looking around and find some places outside of the United States that maybe most of our listeners haven't heard of. Okay. So that's what I did. I started kind of looking around, and I figured, where else would be the most likely place to search other than Great Britain? Oh, yeah. I mean, Lord knows. They've got yeah, they so can. much haunting think they're the winners. going on over there that's going to be the pretty pretty much the, the winner there. Yeah, like you said. So what we're going to discuss is is a village in Kent, England, called Pluckley. Pluckley? Pluckley. Spelled just like it sounds. Oh, groovy. It's on the beautiful, uh, like I said, lush Kent countryside. You know when people think talk about Ireland and they talk about how oh, the countryside. Yeah. That's kind of what this looks like in Kent. Ooh, really? I bet that's so pretty. It's part of the Pluckley Civil Parish, which is actually made up of two villages that are right next to each other, Pluckley and Pluckley Thorn. You can actually find references to Pluckley in the infamous Doomsday Book that was written in 1086. How did people know how to write back then? Well, I mean, they probably wrote, you know, maybe a different language or something like that. I don't know if English was hmm. written in 1086, but... It just amazes me. So, the book was actually ordered by King William the Conqueror. That's the whole reason the Doomsday Book was written. But it's got a lot of cool stuff in it. Pluckley's Village Church dates back to the 13th century. At the east end of that church, separated by two screens, is the During Chapel. Now, it was built in 1475. Inside the chapel, there are some artifacts... Uh, they were referred to as brasses. I'm not exactly sure what that would have been, but I'm assuming some type of like a, a vase or something that was like an urn or something of that nature. Did you say vase with a V or a B? I said it with a V. Well, I said brasses, but then I, I said oh. vase, like a vase. Oh, it's like a vase. It's I like, don't know. Like a vase. I don't know what a brasses is. That's what okay. I said. I'm assuming it's like an urn or something of that nature. But anyway, that was made in the 1630s by Sir Edward During, obviously a relative. It's had the reputation for being the most haunted village in all of England for many years. Oh, you're probably thinking, well, yeah, you're probably saying that, or how would you know? I got proof for you. Oh, well, hell yeah. In 1989, the Guinness Book of World Records named Pluckley the most haunted village in in England. So, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for me if it's in that book. (laughs) So, please don't doubt me out there. I'm getting tired of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he gets enough of that from me. <laughs> right. There's definitely no denying that parts of this town are charged with a psychic energy and several ghosts in churchyards, pubs, houses, and sometimes just in the streets. According to the Guinness Book of World Record, there are 12 different ghosts. And we're going to talk about a bunch of them here Ooh, today. That's a lot. So many of these spirits appear to be related to the During family. Now, the Durings were lords of the manor from the 1400s all the way up until World War One, So you're talking early 1900s. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Tracy, there is a really cool aspect of the town's architecture. Several of the buildings have round-topped windows. Well, that's neat. Well, there's Different? A, there's a reason for this, though. So during England's Civil War, Lord Durin escaped capture from Cromwell's force by diving headfirst 
through a round-topped window. Therefore, he considered it lucky. So when he eventually rebuilt his manor house, he had all the windows made that way in honor of his escape. Oh. So they were all the round, you know, round top windows. And then all the other villagers and stuff started building stuff. They started kind of copying it and doing the same thing. So now you've got all these windows throughout the village or these round top windows. And that's why it was all based on him escaping. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want everybody to know that plan. Is that, that's why it was. No, he did. Oh, he did? Yeah, he didn't care. He didn't care? The Durings have left behind, though, way more than architectural designs in Pluckley, particularly in the parish church of St. Nicholas. So this is where most of the Durings family is buried. So we talked earlier about the Durings Chapel next to the church, right? Mm -hmm. The chapel is where they are actually buried at, inside the chapel. Oh, what? <laughs> what? That's not how it's supposed to go. Well, it kind of... Kind of is here, I guess. So inside the chapel, there is this dancing blue light scene that's sometime accompanied by a really faint knocking sound that seems to be coming from the burial vaults beneath the floor. So the chapel is built more or less over top of their graves. Well, I probably wouldn't mind that. Would you? No, no. I wouldn't mind being buried under the church. No, not at all. And that's kind of like, you know, uh, I think the Huska um, Castle that we talked about before. That They had that they had some people buried there mm -hmm. underneath the parish. That was, cause yeah. they had, well, they had the, supposed to have been the gateway to hell. Right. That was there, and then they buried the chapel over top of it to block everything in. But, yeah, a lot of times, you know, places are buried like that. I know there's a lot of churches where they have, like, catacombs and stuff underneath of it. So that really wouldn't have been all that unusual. Back in the 1970s, there was a group of psychics and mediums and paranormal investigators that they wanted to check this place out. So they got the reverend at the time, which was uh, Reverend John Pittick, to go along with letting them spend the night inside the chapel. He locked them in, and the good reverend left them for the night. So the psychics had their cameras, their tape recorders, and a few other tools to do what they deemed to be a proper investigation. They got everything all set up, and they waited. And they waited. And they waited. <laughs> Come on, nothing happened? Unfortunately, they felt like that they pretty much wasted their time. They experienced absolutely nothing. So the next morning, Reverend Pittick comes, he unlocks the door, and they made sure to inform him that they basically had a lack of success. Mm. In fact, they said that it was so boring that the only break they had from the boredom was when the reverend's dog showed up from time to time and they said and would play with him. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. Well, that's when the reverend Pittock informed them that he didn't have a dog. Oh. And there was no dog inside the church. So. Oh. <laughs> they got to play with a doggy. And they got to experience something. They, they just didn't, didn't even know. Oh. Now, the churchyard itself is haunted by two females. Cat fight. You very rarely see the two females. True. In the same together. Church, yeah. And even more, one is a lady in white and one is a lady in red. I hate that song so bad. What song? Lady in red. Whatever that oh, song is. I know oh, I hate that song. Go ahead. Sorry. But at least she had a colored dress on. Yay. That's true. So the, both of these are thought to be members of the Durin clan. So we're going to talk about the. the, the 
first of which is the lady in red. Her story is that she had a baby that died at birth, and it was buried in an unmarked grave, presumably because it was an illegitimate baby. She was brokenhearted, and she died shortly after. Hmm. Ever since her death, her spirit has been seen wandering the churchyard and calling for her baby. Very sad. The lady in red was also known as Lady During, but she has a relative, likely a sister, also known as Lady During, who also haunts the churchyard, and she's the lady in white. Okay, Her, so they're related. Somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. There was talk that it could be cousins, could be sisters, could be a mother-daughter. Yeah. Somehow they're relating, but they're related, but they were unsure exactly how. Mm-hmm. Now, the lady in white is a completely different story. And I hope they don't get washed together, because then they'll just end up as the lady in pink. True story. Yeah. But that's yeah, not no. a bad thing either. So the story with the lady in white is quite interesting. She died at a very young age, and she was said to be this incredibly beautiful woman. And because of her youth and her beauty, her husband could not stand the thought of her body decomposing. So he had her placed in this gorgeous white gown. Very expensive. He then had her placed in an airtight lead coffin with a single rose upon her chest. Oh, that's awful sweet. He then placed the coffin in several other slightly bigger coffins that were all sealed airtight. What? She was buried in like three different coffins or like two? five or six. <gasps> then. Holy moly. Then, he must have had a lot of money. Yes, I'm sure he did. Which then she was placed in a solid oak casket and buried inside of a very deep vault. It sounds like those little Russian... Uh, oh, yeah. Dolls. Dolls, uh-huh. that, you know, just the little, look like the canisters or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of what I thought of when I saw it. Regardless of the, the lengths that he went to keep her inside that tomb, she's often seen walking around the churchyard on misty autumn mornings. And it's said that she has very long black hair, straight black hair, which really stands out in contrast to the white dress. Mm -hmm. So it's like really obvious to people who see her exactly who she is. And uh, she's also walking around carrying a red rose. (gasps) But what does she look like in in the casket? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that anybody's ever tried to get to her or anything like that. Well, that's sweet that he'd try to do that. I mean... I mean... But it doesn't make any difference if she's still decompose what but they're going to decompose i mean even if they become a mummy they're not going to be the same you know what i mean they're not going to be this look the same as like like they've never changed i mean there there have been situations where people have been dead for years and years and years and they really i think that i think there was like a russian um president or something from years ago that was put in a glass coffin and, and he looks still looks basically the same as he did when he died like 60 years ago or something i can't remember the story i have no idea have no idea. That's incredible. So my guess is that it would be El Yucateco hot sauce. <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah, we wouldn't bring up that this show is brought to you by El Yucateco hot sauce. Mm-hmm. It is the number one habanero-based hot sauce in the United States and top ten of all hot sauces. They have seven different styles and uh, flavors, two of which are not habanero-based. They actually have a chipotle and a jalapeno, and the other five are habanero-based, and you can get yours at most major groceries, like Target, Walmart, or two that I know that carry them. 
And if you can't find them at your local grocer, you can always go online to lucateco.com and get your own. Yep. Just get them from there. They got merch and everything. They even got the little squirt bottles of hot sauce that you can carry with you on your keychain and stuff. I think that is so amazing that they did that. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, so let's get back to the story real quick. We got, that's the churchyard. Now, not too far from the church is the Black Horse Inn. Now, it was built in the 1470s, and it's apparently haunted by somewhat of a prankster. This spirit loves to have personal possessions of guests and employees, and then the objects, eventually they'll return, but sometimes it's weeks down the road, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's usually in some place very strange, like a set of keys will end up in a refrigerator or something like that where they know it's not there, or it'll end up someplace that's been checked numerous times <laughs> and they know that it wasn't there the spirit has also been known to slide glasses along the shelves and pick up silverware with an invisible hand and neatly rearrange it on the bar <laughs> do it right or don't do it at all huh the end today is known as the black horse pub and it's a beautifully beamed country pub it was originally built as a dry molded farmhouse for the deer during family almost said during for the during family now do you know what a dry moated farmhouse would be no i sure don't think about what a moated uh, place would be you know with the, the water moat going all the way around it so this one i guess basically had like a pit all the way around it it just wouldn't fill with water oh you mean a moat yes oh see i wouldn't even thought that's what you were talking yeah, dry about dry moated i got you so it was yeah. a well, moat, that makes sense. but it did, wouldn't fill with water mm-hmm. so i guess they still had a bridge to yes. be able to cross it and they would raise it and lower it but i wonder why they didn't leave the water in i guess there was no point in having the water why well, put up with all those mosquitoes and well stuff. that's true that's true that's the way i look at it anyway if you go to the place now they've got five wood-burning fireplaces it's a bar it's a restaurant it's Absolutely beautiful. I saw some pictures inside. It's closed down for COVID right now, though. Oh, it is. Many patrons have felt that sometimes that they see the presence or feel the presence. Either one. Some have seen, some have felt the presence of a small child. I will say if you go here for the ghosts, you're probably okay. Don't go there for the food. Because I've read several reviews and uh, they weren't real favorable. A lot of one stars. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's of, terrible. A lot of one stars on there. Take Gordon Ramsay over and straighten them yeah. out. Yeah, that would that would be phenomenal. <laughs> Not far from the Black Horse Pub is Station Road. Now, several report the feeling of depression in that area, and it's especially noticeable between the large white house known as Greystones and a beautiful house known as Rose Court. And don't you just know we're going to talk about both of them at some point in time. Mm-hmm. The legend here is that there was a 16th century monk, and he lived on the property where Greystones stands today. So what happened here is the monk fell in love with a woman that lived on Rose Court there across the way. This woman was also the mistress of a member of the During family. They were everywhere. Mm, apparently. Whenever the monk and the young lady could make time, then they would get together and take these long walks accompanied by her small dog. The young lady found this love triangle between herself, the monk, and the During family member too much for her to handle, and she took her own life. It said... That was a little extreme. Well, I guess. She said that she took... Why didn't she just break it off the monk? The monk don't talk. 
I'm guessing this monk probably did talk. Not oh. all monks don't talk. have a vow of silence. Oh. Well, she picked the wrong monk then. <laughs> so it's said that she made herself a fatal cocktail that was distilled from poisonous berries. Now, the monk was devastated by losing her. And he soon died from a broken heart. Oh, my goodness. Now many people walking down Station Road have claimed to hear the barking of a small invisible dog. Actually, it was more referred to as a yapping. Which a little yappy know, dog. A little yappy dog. So they they hear this little small barking. And then after they hear the barking, they hear this cheerful chatting of a man and a woman. It gets louder and gets louder as it gets closer to you. And then they feel like a brisk wind kind mm-hmm. of pass by them. And then everything just stops and disappears. Oh, wow. That's that's really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get on the outside, uh, right on the outskirts of town, there's a place called Fright's Corner. Now, this story involves a highwayman who made his last stand against an oak tree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tracy, do you know what a highwayman is? A highwayman? I was a highwayman. A cowboy? You sang all that just to say a cowboy. No, I don't know. No. A highwayman is somebody that would typically, a couple different versions of it, but most would call a highwayman somebody that would wait on horseback on a road wait for people to pass, and then a lot of times he would just rob them. Oh. So that's kind of what it was. But in this story, you hear both versions. So in in, in the story we got, he was robbing people. The townspeople got tired of it. So they bunch of them came out there and confronted him, and he basically was stabbed with all of their swords there's like several of them that stabbed him at the same time and pinned him to this giant oak tree that's set right there on the corner whoa so that's that's one of the stories wow that'll teach you me know the old <laughs> oak tree <laughs> so now you've got startled witnesses me. that will see him and they'll kind of see this final battle play out and so they they see like kind of like people who do with the old Civil War reenactments or whatever. Yeah. And they'll just, they'll go by and they'll see these people all just stabbing this guy up against this oak tree. Sometimes you'll have drivers that are just driving up the road. And when they turn on that corner and their lights hit that oak tree, mm-hmm. they will see a, a bloody man impaled onto this large phantom oak tree that's not there anymore. Oh, it's not even there? No. no. I guess hopefully they buried this guy. Well, who knows? So another story said that this guy wasn't like a bandit, but he would hide behind this that giant oak tree. And as people would come by, he would jump out and scare them. And eventually, some guy just got kind of got tired of it. And a guard came out there and he threw a spear and the spear impelled him into the oak tree. Oh, man. But either way, he's mostly out on that oak tree. Tracy, now we're going to mosey on over to the LV Farm Country Hotel. This was originally built as a barn 
in the 1400s. Okay. It's amazing how old all these places are. I know are. it. There was an upper story built in the 1600s, and eventually it was converted into this really nice luxury-style home. But back when it was still a farmhouse, there were frequent sightings of a man with light-colored hair and a very short beard. They say the doors would open up and they would close on their own. There were phantom footsteps that could be heard in the hallway. Lights would switch on and on and off by themselves. And one of the legends is that a former farmer there committed suicide at the farm in the 1850s. Now, he was extremely depressed and he was really uh, suffered a lot of pain after his wife had passed away and the farm business failed for him. Mm -hmm. So he pretty much lost everything. In the 1990s, a television crew from Japan came over to do some investigating and some filming, and they brought a median with them, and, and they were kind of hoping of, of making contact with whatever spirit was haunting the place there. The medium steps out of the car and immediately says that she has the sensation of someone drowning. Here's the interesting part. She had no way of knowing that where the car was parked at one time was a pond. That pond had since been filled in several, several years ago. And that pond is where the farmer had drowned himself. Oh. So when you think about it, that's kind of cool. So they don't know that, the, I mean, they just know that there's a history of the house. But they don't know stuff like, hey, there used to be a pond here that was filled in. And that's where she stepped out. And she says she had this feeling that's of somebody good. drowning, and that's where the farmer supposedly drowned himself. So that's pretty cool. I don't know why you just choose that as your way of suicide. I never understand why people choose certain ways to end their life. You don't hear that a lot, I don't think. Well, you, you kind of do because you got people to jump off bridges all the time. and that's, Oh, well, that's true. In yeah. the end, that's kind of what's going to happen. That's very true, very true. There's a section of the woods located next to Pluckley known as the Screaming Woods. Now, they were originally called During Woods, and that's what the official name is. But some call it the Screaming Woods because at nighttime, you can still hear the screams of people who have apparently gotten lost and subsequently died in the woods. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, that would be me. Oh. That would so be me. <laughs> it, it would be. It would be. You have no sense of direction. Uh-uh. None at all. So then we've got the legend of Henry Turf. Henry was the headmaster of Smarden School. And he was really close friends with Richard Buss, who lived in Buckley. And he would travel to Pluckley about every Sunday and visit his buddy. When he got there, they would usually consist of talking politics, uh, which, you know, that sounds like so much fun. That's <laughs> what we want to do every Sunday. Yeah. But on one of these Sundays, Henry Turf went missing. He would later be found hanging from a tree on the land leading to the mills. Now, it was determined that Henry had committed suicide. Henry's ghost has been witnessed by several over the years hanging from the same tree in which he was found upon. Did, so he hung himself before he got to his friend's house? I don't know if it was before or after. So, But he went missing at some point Aww. during that day. That's sad. There's a newspaper journalist who said that he was had seen the spirit of Henry and that he was dressed in a green blazer and a striped pair of trousers. That well, is not 
look good together. You don't know. You didn't I see do the know. Picture. Anyone wears striped porches can be happening. <laughs> so no, while I'm we're on the subject, we mentioned Richard Buss. That was his buddy. So many think that he actually haunts the old ruins of a windmill that is near a house called the Penix. So the mill was closed down in 1930, and it was later destroyed when it was struck by lightning and burned down during a storm. He is called the Phantom of the Penix, and uh, it's a completely black silhouette and is usually seen right before a storm. Hmm. This place got all kinds of hauntings, though. It sure does. And, and this is supposed to be like, I, I should have looked up the, uh, I should have looked up the amount of people that live there because I'm curious now but they said it was a really small village so so we talked earlier about the monk and the lady at Rose Court who died of the broken heart now it said that he haunts the Greystone building and that used to be called Director Cottage because I remember I told you he lived there before yes it was Greystones why he haunts this place is is not really known but it is assumed that it, this is where he actually died so that might be it Next ghost is called the Colonel of Park Woods. Now, this is similar to the Screaming Woods story that we talked about a second ago. An unnamed man that kind of just travels to the Parkwood on a regular basis decided one day that he was going to hang himself there. So he travels there, decides, you know what, this is the place that I'm going to end it all. So the difference here is that his ghost is seen marching through the woods on a regular basis in full military uniform. This is why his nickname is called Colonel of the Woods. He seemed to be harmless by most people, and uh, most people who have come in contact with him didn't even know he was a ghost until after the fact. Dang, he's good. How about a haunted horse and carriage? I don't think it would surprise me. There's a dark-colored carriage that's driven by horses that's sometimes seen and heard charging through the village at a high speed on Maltman's Hill. No one's really sure why this phantom carriage appears. They just know that it's seen fairly often. So Makes you wonder how, why, I mean. Yeah, things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two quick ones. The watercress lady. Now, she was an old woman who made her living by selling watercress at the Crossroads Bridge, and she supposedly haunts the area. Now, this is because she died a tragic death, and this happened when she caught herself on fire due to a spark from her pipe that she was smoking that ignited the whiskey that she was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Who would even put that together? She had some vices, there's no doubt. Yeah. So the last story I've got, the screaming man of the brickworks. So the the story here is that there was a man that was smothered by drying clay wall that fell on him in, in the Pluckley brickworks. And his screams can be heard coming from the brickworks, and occasionally his ghost can also be seen. That's a lot of stuff for a little small village. I mean, it's like the happening place. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, why would people choose to go there to end their life? Oh, I don't know. But it's it is odd though that there were a couple that obviously did, did decide that, that was the place. Did the to wall go. kill him on impact? He or smothered. He smothered. He smothered from the wall. The clay from the wall. Godly. Mm. So 
creepy. It is very. Tracy, a little after our announcements, we have a cool interview with a buddy of mine from up in Louisville, Melissa, and she's got some awesome stories about Waverly. Awesome. Some other little ghostly happenings. So let's take a quick break from our sponsor. So Tracy, we'll hear Melissa's interview in just a minute, and I've got a couple of updates about the books and some signings and Bobby Mackey's. But first, what do you have as far as iTunes reviews for the week? We have Grape Ape 417. You still love that cartoon. <laughs> Sparks Mills 90. And good old Mojo Lobster, who never lets us down. Without fail. Thank you guys for your really nice reviews. They were very sweet, and we appreciate that. And we hope you guys can keep them coming. Uh, they help us move up a little bit so people can see our podcast and maybe you know want to listen to it. So keep on the great reviews. We love them. What do we got Patreon-wise? We have April Robinson. Thank you so much, honey, for your patronage. We appreciate your support. Yeah, just a quick reminder, if you join Patreon, even at the dollar a month level, you get all of these episodes completely ad-free. Yes. So that'll save you right there. Plus, we do a bunch of bonus episodes. So at the $15 level, you get somewhere like 24 episodes of shorts a month, plus two full-length bonus episodes. Yep. Cool. All right. Really quick, Bobby Mackey's, there are four tickets left. So if you want to go, that is next Sunday. It's a week from today if you're getting this the first night that it comes out. Uh, you guys are going to love the show. We're going to be socially distanced and everything. going to be really cool. Also, the book is out now. You can go to our website and get a, an autographed copy, and we will write whatever you want us to in the book because we're shameless, and <laughs> we will send that out to you. It's $20 if you get it on there, but that includes shipping. Uh, you can get the book without being autographed or and pay whatever Amazon shipping is for $14.99 and just go to Amazon.com. So that's your two ways to get the book. We are going to have signings in Louisville, Lexington, and the Cincinnati area. Um, November 7th and 14th will be the two dates. We'll post all that on the website so you can see where it's going to be at your date and place. Sounds good, babe. All right. Are we ready to listen to this little uh, interview with Melissa and her ghost stories? She's fun. Hey, guys. I got uh, one of the few actual uh, people we've had on the show that are from my hometown of Louisville and she's got a couple of doozy stories of course almost everybody from Louisville has a story from Waverly Hills and uh, Melissa from Louisville is no different Melissa thanks for coming on very happy to be here thanks I'm excited to have you on because like I said I know uh, we know a lot of the same people and we haven't talked a whole lot but when I put out a little feeler the other day for uh, paranormal stories you spoke up and said you had a couple with Waverly and I love the Waverly stories so I'm going to turn it over to you and let you tell me a couple of the uh, things that you've had happen out there all right awesome sound good all right it's all uh, yours well I want to say it was around the uh, late 90s maybe 97 ish uh, when I had discovered that Waverly Hills even existed I, I'd heard stories as a child and you know like all these people died there and you know, I thought, like, the adults were kind of, you know, pulling my legs. So I just never gave it a second thought. So uh, when I went to visit someone I knew who lived really close down the hill from there, and I had seen a video recording from inside Waverly, I knew instantly I had to go. Like, I just had to see this place. And it was daylight, so I thought, you know, I'll be fine. I'll take a few people with me. 
to where, you know, there's strength in numbers. If something happens, I'm not alone. Right. So uh, I think maybe the the dozenth time I went, I had taken up one of my nieces who were about 12 or so with me. They really wanted to go see it. So we were walking up the hill, and the closer you get going up, you'd see these uh, signs that people had spray painted, like, go back, or you'll die, or danger, or just a bunch of crazy stuff. And we just thought it was, you know, funny. We just kept going. We had noticed that the main door towards the back, where if you drive up the other direction, was wide open. And we're getting real close to the door and kind of looking up at the windows, kind of making sure nobody's around so we don't want to get in trouble for trespassing or whatever. So as we're literally getting ready to walk in the door, we hadn't even been inside yet. This car pulls up, I mean, like a bat out of hell, just blowing up the road. This guy gets out, and he just reminds me of some Joe Dirt kind of person. (laughs) And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? You can't go in there. We're going to call the cops, this and that. And I'm like, hey, we haven't even been in there yet. We just got here. And I said, how did you know we were here? And he said, I could see you from Dixie Highway. And I'm like, there's no way in hell. Well, if anybody drove up and down Dixie Highway in the fall or winter when the leaves are gone, if, if you look just right, you could see that bell tower or that, that tallest, I guess they want to call it fifth floor, but it's not really a floor, but... You can't see it through the trees. If you right at East Pages and Dixie, you can see it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, in the in the fall and winter time, when all the leaves are off the tree, you can you can definitely see up there. But you have no shot when the leaves are on the tree. Yeah, it's like completely hidden. You wouldn't even know it's there. So when he said that, I'm thinking in my mind, like you know, I started getting scared. Like, like what were we getting ready to walk into? Like, what was the person up there doing? Right. Like you know, I don't. Oh, our minds just went racing. So. A couple of his buddies came, and they kind of detained us. And uh, they went inside, and I said, you know, again, we, we hadn't even been in here yet. So you're crazy. You're making up stuff, whatever. Like, you can't get us in trouble and trying to leave. So they end up going inside, clearing the whole building. They go in every room, every closet, every nook and cranny, and they never find anybody. So then at that point, I'm like, like damn, like, do they actually see a ghost like in my brain that's what was telling me because if you didn't find an actual person and there's like a team of them they didn't find anybody i can now i'm thinking in my mind like what would have happened if we would have went in there what would we have seen what would we have heard and i didn't go back i mean it took months for me to go back up there after that because i i was just completely spooked after that happened I mean, yeah. Waverly is a really big place, especially at night. What you you said that was uh, daytime or nighttime when that one happened? Now that was broad daylight, you know, like 12, maybe 1 o'clock. You know, it's quiet. No one saw us go up. You know, it was just any other time going up there, you know, just to go look around and, you know, take pictures and whatnot. So, uh, again, with, with him saying he saw some, he saw us on the river, I'm like, there's no way. We, we hadn't even gotten that, so that's not possible. But I knew he wasn't making it up. The way he blew up that driveway, he knew someone was there. It wasn't like a casual drive up to inspect if there's anything going on. Like, he knew. So I knew he wasn't making that up. And I was like, I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not coming back. So we took off so they could call the cops on us. And uh, when I finally did go back, now this time was at night, and I had some older people with me. 
20s and 30s. There was probably about five of us. And we decided to, but we went all the way up from the stairway. This was a different way in. This was the main way in, like through the old lobby. Mm-hmm. The person in the front of the line had the flashlight. Someone in the back had the flashlight. Everybody in between kind of stayed together. So we went all the way up to the roof. And, I mean, you could see, like, broken beer bottles and, you know, condom wrappers. I mean, you could see some crazy stuff up there. Right. And I was only just imagining what kind of crazy parties and scenes were going so uh, I know a couple guys who tried to come up there, trying to be sneaky, and uh, someone I was with was throwing like piece of old brick down at them to scare them off. And they took off running, and I'm like, hey, you know, we all need to just go and get out of here in case like they call the cops or something on us. So as we're going down the stairs, same stairs, the I think it was like the second floor doorway. And these doors were metal. I mean, heavy really heavy metal and like uh rusty well the door was wide open uh and it wasn't like propped it was just like stuck and i mean those doors were heavy like heavier than hell yeah they are heavy yeah as i'm going down the stairs i'm the first to last person and of course the person behind me has a flashlight and now he's right on me he's going down so fast i can almost feel his knees hit me in the back because he was scared so we get almost to the, between those two stairways to the first floor and second. And somehow that second floor door slammed shut. And it wasn't like, there's no way the wind did it. I mean, a hurricane of wind couldn't shut, slam that door. <laughs> right. And um, of course, then we really started taking off all the way down. I mean, we ran all the way down that hill. And, you know, I'm a smoker, so I was left behind a little bit. But it was just like the fact that there was nobody else there. Like we, again, we hid, went and looked. We knew everyone coming and going in that maybe hour we were there. So that was another instance where I'm like, I'm, if I do go back, it's just going to be during the day. But yeah, on many occasions I can remember going up before that at night and walking that walkway up. And there was real tall grass, like waist high. You could all like see the cops go up with the headlights off, only the parking lights on. And we just, you know, go duck and hide in the weeds and see them go past and, you know, get spooked and just head back down. But definitely so, like, you always like you always felt like someone was there. Even if you didn't see or hear necessarily something obvious other than, like, what I had told you about, like, you just always felt like somebody or something was watching you, and it was just... Of course, at night it was magnified. It was just just creepy, and you know you can only see so far with the flashlight. And you know there's other floors above and below you, depending on where you're at. And of course, that backside compared to the front, and you're right, it's huge. Like you could be from one end and yell, and someone couldn't hear you all the way at the other end. Yeah, very long. So um, that I mean that definitely scared me, and. Um, I ended up uh, writing a paper about Waverly Hills for school. I had went to the main library in Louisville downtown and uh, went on the Michael Fish or whatever, the film stuff, and um, looked up old articles, like the original Courier Journal articles. And then I had went back and, like, taking pictures and was, like, comparing, like, the same room with the picture from back in, say, the 60 or 1950 or whatever it was, 40. And, uh, but, yeah... 
I've got a story too about uh, the body shoot, which I, I don't. A lot of people wouldn't go down because it was kind of underground, and that's what I heard because so many people died like in a single day, where they wouldn't want the other patients to get discouraged. They would basically just you know walk them down to shoot to whatever was waiting at the bottom. And me and my same nieces, broad daylight, we had just left the uh, Waverly Hills to go back to those townhomes down there. And it was winter, and it was real cold. And I remember going down the body chute. There was like four or five of us. And we probably got down about maybe 15 feet. And these two older guys, maybe in their 50s at the time, they were teenagers, so they rolled us then. But they had yelled, like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they chased us. <laughs> and of course, like it, it was like icy, slick. Uh, the one part, like it, it almost reminded me, like I, I don't know what it looks like now. It almost reminded me like the popcorn ceiling texture on the wall. And I remember cutting my hand up, trying because you couldn't really grip anything. It was like you were just winging it to get down that damn thing. But once we got to the bottom, it was like those guys just disappeared. Like I, I don't know where the hell they went. Or if they were real, but like there was no sign of them, and I think that was one of the last times that I had ever like went. Period, because I was like, there's just too many, too many weird situations and stuff going on. Like I'm not gonna go back up there anymore. Yeah, the body shoot. It's it's a. Um... You know, like if you go on a tour now, they'll take you down. They'll give you a chance to walk up and down it. But, I mean, it's it's really steep. The steps are kind of dangerous. They would prefer you walk. Uh, there's, there's a set of steps, and then right beside it, it, it is a uh, more like a ramp, uh, smooth area. And, yeah. and But there's all kinds of uh, places where you'll see, like, the wrought iron uh, poles that, that were part of the construction that will be sticking up in places. So it can be a, a pretty dangerous place if you if you don't have good lighting in there. And it stays wet for the most mm -hmm. part, so it's slick. But you can see a lot of stuff down there. And, and the body shoot, like I said, everybody calls it the body shoot. Originally, though, it was just set up to be able to get supplies and stuff up from down on Dixie Highway. Uh, they could enter, and instead of coming uh, straight up the hill and going in, they could just bring stuff uh, back and forth easier. And and that's that's primarily what it was used for, was just supplies getting to and from. But it's like you said, there were so many deaths happening uh, that that rather than try to take them out so everybody could see what was going on and, and just be really down on their hopes of, of getting better, they started using that, those tunnels as a multipurpose. So it was for deliveries and and pickups, but it was also to send bodies down there, and then they would just sit with a hearse at the at the bottom of uh, Dixie Highway where the tunnel would come out at. And so, yeah, it's um, it, it was a very sad time for for people that when there was that many people dying per day. It's amazing. I mean, I know um, I know it shut down for a while. Obviously, once that like miracle pill or whatever the medicine came out that like cured TB or mm -hmm. something else. So when it was shut down for a while, and it reopened. I think it was like a I don't know if it was like a nursing home or it some was. kind of like it was. mental place or something. Yeah, it was, a, it was a nursing home. I've actually got a book from the 1950s that was part of that nursing home's library. It's still got the little card in the back with where people checked it out and the dates and everything on it. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, back in the 50s, it was an actual nursing home. Yep. My, my daughter's grandpa's mom or great-grandma, she was there and she died there when it, when it was the nursing home. He would tell a story like when he would leave visiting, like you could just hear all the cries of people, 
and like the moans and the wailing and you would hear people cry they like help me get me out of here and i'm like like i can't i can't imagine like people living there after all that had happened especially in that time of their life like what they experienced or you know just being there constantly just a quick visitor i mean like i can't even imagine what they've been through in that time period and you know a lot of people don't know this but there was a doctor um during during all this time when waverly was open that he thought that being in like a cave type atmosphere would be good for people with tb and this doctor actually had a like a um a camp set up inside of mammoth cave to where he had several patients in there uh, experimenting to see if that would make things better and if it was better to be in that like a humid underground atmosphere and all that on the lungs so yeah there, kentucky actually is was on the forefront of diabetes, I'm not diabetes, but uh, tuberculosis uh, testing and stuff like that with Waverly and the deal going on in Mammoth Cave. And of course, like you said, once they found the actual cure, there was no need and all that stuff got shut down. But yeah, it was amazing that that Kentucky was on the forefront of all the uh, up-to-date medical sciences for tuberculosis back then. Yeah, that definitely blows my mind. And and again, just that, that amount of people thinking about how many kids how many people like worked there that were well and like i wonder like if it went through their mind like they knew it was almost like a suicide mission like look how easy you could catch it look how many people are dying from it like almost like even with corona like the nurses or whoever works with them are they almost thinking like you know i'm putting my life in danger and I, i could very well die from being here and then that just be it I think the difference was then, though, is is because Waverly was its own self-sufficient little city, more or less. I mean, they grew all their own food, and they had all their own uh, uh, dairy and stuff that was all made there. I mean, the people, the doctors and the nurses, they lived there. They weren't allowed to go back home, at least with corona. You know, they can uh, they can go home and stuff like that. They take the precautions. So I think it's a, it had to even be a little different when you knew, hey, not only am I going to be working around something – uh, patients that are highly contagious, but I'm, I'm, this is my home now. This is where I'm going to be living. You know, I couldn't, I mean, in the, even in those days and ages, you know, with there not being technology like now, and uh, work, you know, just the spread of news and information, and like you said, just being there, just like, I don't know, I just, I couldn't imagine going through that. So, Melissa, you've got another story that's uh, that's uh different from the waverly stories you got now there's a there's a haunted attraction in louisville it's over close to churchill downs so most people know where that is but it's called the haunted hotel it's been a a, a haunted attraction for years and years and years now but you've got a story that's kind of tied to that before it became a haunted attraction yes uh back then of course if you were raised around churchill downs i mean you pretty much went you know, like as if, um, I don't know, you were going to just like a regular park. You just went all the time and you were betting and you got to know the jockeys, et cetera. Like it was like your lifestyle almost. And uh, my mom, I don't know, she's dead now, God rest her soul. But her bookie, and I want to say his name was Leo, if I'm remembering right. Uh, but he lived there. He lived upstairs in that building. And uh, I remember going there with her once or twice to you know, collect money or make a bet or whatever. And this guy had, like, tons of money. Obviously, because he's taking all these bets and stuff. And so from what I heard, and I don't know how true it is, but from what I heard, 
no, he got robbed and he got killed while living there. And I want to say it wasn't abandoned or no one was there for like maybe a year, if that. Because I was like 10 when I was like 10 when the Haunted Hotel actually opened. And I was one of the first people or kids or whatever to go in there, you know, as an attraction. You know, as an up, we're going upstairs, I was like, just spooked me so bad because that's where you know, Leo had lived and it was just like, I don't know if like, I just felt him in there and I'm just like, I can't believe they turned where he died or got killed or whatever. How they turned that into, you know, a haunted house. I just thought it was just ironic and just, it was just crazy to me. That's actually one of the better haunted attractions in Louisville. There's a couple that are really good. Uh, Devil's Attic's really good. The uh, Baxter Avenue Morgue's really good. And that one, that, they're actually three of my favorites. They do a really good job. And like I said, it's been there now for what, um, what almost 30 years or so? Yeah, it's been there. Uh, I'm 41, and I was 10 at the time. So, yeah, a good 30 years. So, Well, you know, it's, I guess I guess they had to do something with it. And did it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't it close down a, a few years back for like a year or something and then open back up? Am I wrong in, in thinking that? No, as far as my memory serves, it did. Now, I don't know if they like switched owners or or how or what the reason was for that. I remember, like, I don't know if it was somebody or some crew or production people or whoever from like, Hollywood or California or somewhere that worked on scary movies, if they were the ones who originally opened it or they're the ones who bought it after the fact. But if I'm not mistaken, it did stay there for like a good year or two. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Well, Melissa, thanks for jumping on and, and sharing your stories with us. And uh, I appreciate it. And I know everybody else will have a good, have a good time listening to it. All right. Thanks. And uh, you have a good one. You too. All right, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We love all you guys, and we love all your support. And uh, with the book coming out and seeing how many people were anxious to get it, and uh, it was very, very emotional. And we just wanted to say that it means a lot to us. Yeah, it sure does. I appreciate you supporting my baby, especially on this book, because it was hard for him to write, but I'm very proud of him, and I'm glad that you guys are excited to read this book. Yeah, we've done three interviews so far. One was on a, a, a big radio station here in town, and I got choked up talking about it, which I didn't think was going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I should have probably known because I got choked up writing it. But I, yeah. I kind of thought I could just be numb and just talk mm -hmm. without it, but it, it was harder than I thought. And then I did an interview with Tony Bruschi from Real Ghost Stories Online. That's not going to come out until probably December, he said. So it's a little bit away. And I did one with Jim Harold which uh, should be out here in the next couple of weeks on his awesome. paranormal podcast. So Yeah, you did it. Three great, sh three great shows to be on, and I'm just very happy for you. So. And also, we cannot wait to see you guys next Sunday. It's going to be fun, and we're just excited to meet some of you that we haven't, and it's, it'll be a great time. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, hoping to have some books for there, but it's – it's unlikely at this time because my shipment, I don't think, is going to be here till closer to the 27th, 28th. Mm -hmm. So we'll be middle of the week after. But, you know, hopefully I'll have some books on hand if anybody wants some. All right, guys. We will talk to you later. Bye, guys. Have a blessed week.